Welcome to another episode of Civic Cipher. I'm your host, Ramses Ja. And they call me Q Ward because that just so happens to be my name, Ramses. What's going on? Who we got rocking with us, man? He would be uh, Freshmaker. I missed it again. The DJ the Freshmaker. DJ Freshmaker. At the DJ Freshmaker. At the DJ Freshmaker. Yeah. The man, the myth, the legend. With us, another that boy good episode, right? And pleasure to be here too. Yes, like I feel like I like I earned a bonus round. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Man. Well, look, I'll tell you what. Um, if you missed last week's uh, episode, don't forget you can check out all our past episodes. Uh, if you're into podcasting, if you want to check it on YouTube, hit the website civiccipher.com. Um, but last uh, episode that Fresh was up here, we talked about. Circulating the bag Yes That is uh, Supporting black businesses By black people And allies of black folks um, And the importance Of supporting black businesses And today's episode I Feel is important For a number of reasons That will become apparent As we continue To flesh out Today's topic Um, So we'll call this Episode The Mythbusters Episode I like the way that sounds um, and the reason for that is there's a lot of myths that exist in the world that are very harmful to black people, uh, black communities, black progress, etc. And, you know, if I have a voice and I have my brothers at my side, um, I feel like it's important to use this platform to um, set the record straight. Facts. Um, so, uh, if you haven't listened to the show before, I anticipate a lot of folks listening to the show. If you haven't listened to the show before, um, my background and the background of my brothers is primarily entertainers. Mm-hmm. Um, and this show exists because um, the station on which you're hearing this show or the platform or whatever um, primarily uses black music or black culture to reach an audience of black or non-black people. And uh, in many cases, it's it's a place that takes black culture and repackages it for non-black people. And uh, we, we all felt as a community, not just me, but we all felt um, that it was important to rise above that title of entertainer, rise above you know the you know the shuck and the jive and the dance in the club that sort of a thing and really give a voice to real issues that um affect black folks and so in these stations these platforms that are um you know uh, using black culture to make a profit and repackaging black culture for you know other groups of people um you know these folks didn't want to be fair weather friends to the black community and so they gave me and us this hour of time so that we can share uh messages with the the community at large that will hopefully advance the uh the standing and the plight of black folks um so they're not just exploiting black culture they're also contributing in a meaningful way um with that said today's episode again is one where we're going to talk about prevalent myths that affect the black community. Um, And the one that I've been waiting for a very long time Mm -mm. to get off my chest. Talk to the people. I'm going to have to talk to y'all today. (laughs) Um, 
It's one about black fathers. I knew it. Mm. Black fathers. Mm. Um, and if you know, every time I hear this, it's, it's a heartbreaking thing. And I understand why a lot of folks think this. Mm-hmm. Um, the myth, if you're not familiar, is that black men uh, are not there for their children. Mm. Um, black men have babies and then go to jail or abandon them otherwise abandon them or die or whatever whatever it is and so there's this issue that plagues black communities and for some people especially um, in political circles it is their sole argument um, or there's like the, the, the sole element that they use to suggest that black people are responsible for their own problems. If they would just stay home and raise their kids, mm. then all of the problems that affect black folks will be solved if, if black people stay home and raise their kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so as of 2014, um, we can definitively say that any, uh, statement like that any sentiment like that is exceptionally insulting and a slap in the face to the black community but before we get there i want to share our stories our positive stories about black men in the community q let's start with you Mm -mm. do you have children q yes sir i do can you tell me about your children q i have a very very uh energy filled young king of a son (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> name <laughs> Grayson and uh, if anybody follows me on social media that has lo- has known me longer than he's been alive you notice that I was gone from social media for a long time and then the next time you saw me after three or three years or something like that I was holding this beautiful child who I credit for saving my life um, I'd gone through a lot in the years leading up to becoming a father emotionally mentally uh felt like i was beyond repair and this kid not only gave my life purpose but helped me we all want to be something when we grow up the only thing i knew i wanted to be when i grew up was a father everything else i hoped you know i hoped i would make it to the nfl or maybe one day i'll be an architect or whatever but i knew for certain Not because someone told me, not because I read it somewhere, not because people encouraged me to think it was a good idea. But I knew, and I'll speak on my relationship with my father later, um, but I knew that a good father, not just a father, but a great dad was what I wanted to be when I grew up. And Grayson Anthony Villaflor Ward made that destiny real. And then recently... And I went and bought a shotgun because of this one. (laughs) (laughs) I have a beautiful daughter now. Yeah, man. Iko Estella Viaflord Ward. And she's beautiful. So I bought a shotgun. I'm going to look at my phone because I'm on live. I'm going to look at my phone on this one. So I bought a shotgun. I know y'all got sons. I know y'all think they're awesome. But her dad has a shotgun, okay? Love you, boo boo. <laughs> and yeah, they're my babies, and I love them. Uh, and uh, before we get too far away from this, I want you to tell the people, uh, describe your relationship with your children. How often do you see them? What are how involved are you? 
when Grayson was six months old, I had a fantastic job. I was an autonomous testing engineer for Uber's advanced technology group. Yeah, all that sounds really cool because it was really cool. I tested for 10 hours a day, self-driving vehicles. Um, so you just sat in the car? Essentially, yes. That's tight. I just sat in the car for 10 <laughs> hours a day and, and, and observed as it drove me around. That's a great job. Arizona. Um, and, you know, for reasons beyond my control, um, that program was terminated um, for some reasons that you guys can Google. I won't speak on them, but just look up Uber self-driving Tempe, Arizona. The bad story. That's the one. Um, and it put me in this position where I'm newly unemployed and newly a father at the mm, same mm, time. Mm. And I was terrified and oh, man, I was scared to death. What am I going to do? I, 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 I have this obligation to protect, teach, support, love, uplift and empower this child. But I have to be able to pay these bills And I have to be able to make sure he has food And I have no idea how I'm going to do this uh, Little did I know That Almost three years later I still hadn't got A new job Because after I spent About nine days in a row At home with my son It was going to take something incredible mm. For me to cash that in Like you were going to have to mm-hmm. <laughs> You were going to have to offer me something Astronomical like you know Use of the company jet And you know an <laughs> expense account And you know a, a Insane salary of some sorts It was going to have to just be Gross where y'all would have both been like Okay Q look bring Grace into the house Right right Go I'll do that <laughs> um, So it, it provided me with an incredible experience To now you know, my daughter will be a year old on Christmas. You know, Grayson just turned three. Neither of them have woken up without me there. And that's an incredible. I'm very, very proud of that being their truth and my truth. You know, there's there's no version of life that exists. There's no full day or full week or full weekend that where you look around and it's like, where's dad? And if I'm gone for too long, even, you know, here doing this show. As soon as the door opens, even Aiko, who's 10 months old, she hasn't even seen who it is yet. But when the door opens, she screams out, Daddy. Mm. It's the coolest thing in the world, man. So my experience has been full-time father and provider and protector and teacher. And I bought a shotgun. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And uh, Fresh. Now I know you don't have any children right, yet, right? But his um, niece and nephew game strong, though. Yes, indeed. But I can surmise. Um, I can infer from your character, from the type of man that you are, um, that when the day comes and you do have a child or children. That your story will sound very similar to the one we just heard from Q. Oh yeah, Am definitely. I in that assumption? Absolutely. Um, it's uh, it's kind of inherent. Like I feel like there are a tremendous amount of lessons that 
I've not only learned from my father, but from people that I have anointed as father figures that I feel it's almost criminal not to pass down. Um, And I think it's great that I'm actually waiting a little bit longer because I was very immature in my sight of what dad was. Uh, I thought dad was mostly... um, disciplinarian and uh provider uh obviously a teacher but um i relished in disciplining only because i really did learn a lot of lessons when things were taken away from me or um i was forced to learn through discipline from my father um and so the desire is to have you know, whomever your seed is to learn the lesson before you do so they can get to where you got faster. Yeah, yeah. So um, that would be, um, that was the main goal that I always thought about. But um, as I've gotten a little bit more mature, um, the goal also became to actually show that I can share, you know, some emotion with you mm. You know Very good Very good uh, Yeah man So I Like I said In younger days I didn't really think about that But um, When I do see You know Children make breakthroughs Because of the um, Influence Or cheering on From their parents They're allowed to have These moments Where You know They are They can be vulnerable Together and I'm like, oh, you can do that. Oh, that probably would feel really good. Yeah. yeah oh, absolutely, absolutely. okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll do that. So, yeah. So. so, so dig this. Yeah. There, this this myth that has been very damaging to the black community mm. for decades, um, wasn't always true. Obviously, mm-hmm. but in a modern world, people that can't see past the date of the, the day they were born, they can't see anything before that. Mm-hmm. They feel like this is the reality. They mm-hmm. feel like historically, you know, blah blah blah. Um, and you know, I say this a lot, and I will always say it because it's true. The first human beings were black. The yeah. first families were black. Mm-hmm. The first man that ever stayed home was black. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure the first man that ever left his family was Mm -hmm. black, too. Mm -hmm. So um, I think history is very important. Um, But I do want to speak to um, some of the things that, in my estimation, contributed to this damaging concept, idea of the black family. The broken black family mm-hmm. um because you got to think um with this this and if if you think to yourself uh black families in the 1800s you know in this you know that in the in the slave feet or in the slave field so even earlier than the 1800s mm-hmm. you know families were broken up but where they could stay together it was a family mm-hmm. right um, they were broken up by the slave masters okay so we're gonna we're gonna say they were sold off like cattle mm-hmm. you know? Um, but you know, after that, uh, communities developed mm-hmm. where black families, you know, um, raised black children in black spaces, and everything was fine. There was black commerce to um, piggyback off the show that we 
uh, did not too long ago. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. And, you know, no one was complaining about black men abandoning their families back then because it wasn't true. Um, same holds true in the in the 20s, the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s. And it's in the late 70s, early 80s um, where there's this war on drugs. Again, this is my estimation. Um, and there's a mass incarceration, a deliberate attempt uh, by the United States government to disrupt the black community, which started in the late 60s, early 70s, and continued into the 80s, where it really took hold with the, the mass incarceration that took place during that time, where... Uh, Basically, black men were scooped out of their neighborhoods and uh, relocated into prisons. Um, these are all well-documented things. Um, these aren't things that I'm making up. These are certainly not conspiracy theories. And as always, Google is free. So I implore you to Google it if you don't believe what I'm telling you. But um, this contributed to this idea that... Black women were welfare queens. Uh, black men were absent from the homes. Um, and the broken black family is the fault of black people. Um, and I, I, it's, it's impossible to, to fully um, measure the devastation of the war on drugs on black, on black communities and brown communities. Um, be, and, and that deliberate attempt by the government, this government... To disrupt black families, black communities. It was a deliberate attempt to do so. Um, and that's, th- those, are, those are topics for a different show. Right now we're talking about this myth, but it starts somewhere. And, and that's why I wanted to make sure that we talked about the history, because history is very important. Um, but yes, there were some examples um, after that of broken black homes. Um, you know, and obviously crack babies, a crack epidemic, things like this. I'm from Compton, California in the 80s. So I, I was born in that. I saw that. It's, it's a very personal thing for me. One of my sisters was born underweight. If that tells you everything that you need to know. I saw it with these eyes. And then I grew up and I learned how that happened. And who was responsible for that. You understand? And so, still, I knew from my own experience that black fathers were largely present in, even in communities, even in my community um, back then in Compton, California, when I moved to Phoenix. You know, I'm, I'm a black person. Um, I, you know, I have a shared culture with other black people, and so I tend to congregate with other black folks at church at the cookout at you know just you know whoever can uh you know speak your language and you know identify with certain cultural markers and you know those are your people that's your your clan and that's who you grow up with and my my journey certainly reflected that there was a good number of black men very much involved in the lives of their children and so when i got older me starting to hear this narrative that black men were not in the homes 
not raising their children. That did not ever jive with my immediate reality, the reality that I saw around me. And so that brings me to this point in the conversation where uh, 2013, 2014, if you don't know, I implore you to Google this as well. If you Google nothing else, please Google this. The United States um, has an entity that uh, tracks um, diseases, um, uh, family structure, um, basically these pillars that hold up society, you know, human beings, how they behave and things that affect them. And one of the things that they track is the fa- the familial unit, the nuclear family. You know, wh- how, how is this dynamic growing? How many children are women having on average? You know, things like this. That's, that's monitored by the Center for Disease Control. Well, in their uh, study in 2013, which admittedly is some years ago, but it's modern enough for us to be able to challenge this myth in this episode i know i'm talking a lot but let me make my point please (laughs) um as it turns out um they did a study of men and the capacity of a parent and their findings concluded that black men were actually doing better than everybody Again, you can Google that. And that's something that was more consistent with my reality. Um, Black men were very much involved with raising their children, more likely to change diapers, more likely to engage in playtime, more present overall to do school runs, etc., on and on and on. And the reason why, one of the reasons rather, why black men were underrepresented is because of the fact that black mothers and fathers tend to be unmarried at a higher rate Mm -hmm. than other folks and Mm -hmm. i could make a case and i think i will if 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 you'll allow me to if you absolutely to that um economics might have something to do with that you know, some some folks want to wait to get married. Some folks want to, you know, they, they you know, their marriage is an economic institution, no matter what, no matter how you look at it. And for some people, it works out great. And for some people, it's expensive, especially mm-hmm. if you want to take into account a wedding, especially if it changes the way you file your taxes or what you can claim or what, you know, what your refund looks like, et cetera. And so there are, I believe, economic conditions that also contribute to the fact that black women and men tend to be unmarried to each other uh, more often. But when you look at the men's involvement with their children, it's actually greater than uh, everyone else. And so what happens is when you look at the numbers the wrong way or otherwise don't account for the full story, you end up with a very damaging, harmful, hurtful myth about black men. And I'm sorry I've monopolized so much at the time. And I won't talk about my children yet, but I will talk about my babies because I got a microphone and I love those two. But I want to get your thoughts on this. Q, what do you think? So I want to collaborate on this response with Fresh. I'm going to tell you the what, and I'm hoping that my brother can give us some insight on the why. There tend to be lots of human conditions, human happenings that are more 
life and proximity based than race based right they happen to everyone in every community but they tend to label them black like black on black crime it's mm-hmm. not based on the fact that the people are black it's based on the fact that the crime and the proximity of a community where all the people are black is going to be black real mm-hmm. quick 80 percent of uh crime done by white people is from other white people so that's white on white crime if you will Except, and that doesn't you know, exist that slow anymore any more than black on black crime exists correct in the real world i think in the same respect you spoke about marriage and uh the familial concept that comes with being a married couple that has children and that live in the same home you speak about you know the 80s and the epidemic that crack cocaine was to our community and the way that was even labeled the war on drugs where uh the pandemic or the epidemic with you know narcotic level drugs now and the opioid crisis that's happening now because the people that are the victims of that look different it's not viewed as criminal anymore but it's it's viewed as a health crisis right so when the people that suffer from these things look like us the what is they get labeled and 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 pushed in front of us in a way that's different uh, Again I'm going to speak of the what And I would like my brother Fresh to give us a little insight On the why It's not the absence of the black father Because I tend to say That white couples break up And divorce too And you know All couples do that My, <laughs> my father more specifically Was not present for me But he was very present For my younger brother and my younger sister Different mother, different relationship, and different relationship with their mother. Right? I have no idea. I was three when he left. So I don't know what kind of beef, what kind of misunderstanding. I don't know what my mom did. Now, of course, as a kid, my mom is perfect and my dad ain't crap because he left her. Mm. But now that I'm an adult <laughs> and I've been through some things with some women, I'm smart enough to know my dad and my mom could have had whatever type of problem that they had. Mm-hmm. Now, he was absent in, in my case. Maybe it's because he couldn't be there Maybe because he didn't want to be But you hear the experience of Jerome Rawls Ward IV And Tasha Ward Now Tasha Evans And they have a much different experience Because he was very present, very loving Very involved and very proud of his children And what I learned when I met My brothers and sisters that didn't grow up in the house With me Is that my dad was also very proud of me You know what I mean So fresh other families break up other couples break up other couples and families divorce other fathers of of other ethnicities leave or not Mm. but they're not labeled as (laughs) because they're this right because all of our things all of our problems all of our shortcomings are because we're black right that father isn't present because he's a black father Mm. so the what is our normal human Interactions and our normal things that happen to and around us are labeled as the black fathers are not present and black on black crime and black this. How come that happens to us? Uh, there's there's plenty there, um, but a more simplified thing that I, I thought of. You guys can let me know how you feel about it, but there's no fun. And no entertainment in pointing out your own flaws, mm. right? So, if you are primarily in control of the airwaves, right, um, you're not. You're less likely to report on, say, domestic terrorism, 
Mm. But you're more likely to report on, you know, terrorism from, you know, somebody that doesn't look like you. Correct. So um, that would make, you know, for good TV or a good report because it doesn't force you to look in the mirror, you know, or challenge, you know, internally what's in your community. Um, so I would say that's one of the reasons where you hear more about it on on our end because we're kind of like easy punching bags in that situation. Like we don't control airwaves um, in such a capacity to where we can beat a lie across the street, you know. Um, but also um, when you alluded to, you know, folks not being married, we have to think about just common human experience if you know if you're not doing much all day right you can you're more probable to get into something that you ain't supposed to be getting into mm. right whether it, idle hands yeah devil's playground right mm-hmm. so if you know you may be in a neighborhood where there's a lot of idle hands right you might have a higher probability of laying down with somebody with that idle time. You lay down with somebody in that idle time, but there's no intention to be married or to live in the same place. You could still be a great father, but as far as what the numbers will say, it'll say that 69.3% of our women, uh, you know, are single mothers. Whereas like for the Hispanic community, it would be 21.9%. Like that's, a humongous massive you know difference however we do know in the hispanic community there's more than likely going to be a little bit more um folks living together in the same home right you know uh so that's gonna you know make a difference there um and for us like, like you also alluded to getting married um is not only uh something that you have to think about really as far as financial um, but making, you know, making the commitment to say, I, I want to have a family and take care of all of you and put that on my shoulders. That's something big, you know, humongous for a man to do. And we can be straight up about it. Not everybody, you know, has that and has that in them. Right. But let's say you're just not there financially. You're going to more than likely back up as a form of responsibility. Like, I need not to pull you with me if I don't necessarily have solid ground. Um, so, but the numbers could reflect that negatively also. Um, but I do think that what you see in the 2013 study is a response to the generation prior. Absolutely. Whereas, like, just basically, I'm not going to allow my children to have the same, you know, upbringing that I had, whether my dad left voluntarily or involuntarily. Um, I'm definitely going to make sure that my children have the father that maybe I didn't get a chance to experience. Absolutely. And, you know, something else I think that. And now. I don't really think of myself as a conspiracy theorist. Um, But I'm black So I'm a little bit paranoid That distrust is real man Yeah, Mm. 
And I, you know I'm obviously not a, a s- s- Slow person So I tend to find patterns Maybe where they don't exist Just because It's just something that occurs to me And one of the things That I s- have seen Over and over again Throughout my life um, And all of my studies And you know And make no mistake There's a master's degree hanging on the wall In my house So that's a few studies that I've done One thing I've seen quite a bit of Is the emasculation of black men That's a a whole show (laughs) Could be, yeah, absolutely But I want to say this Um, When When this narrative exists where black men don't take care of their families they don't they don't raise their kids when that exists mm-hmm. to me that's a another thinly veiled dig at the, the the masculinity of black men um and the worst part about it is we Will believe it Now again I've believed that For a long time Despite the fact That my reality Didn't reflect that Mm -hmm. I know my dad I was with him His whole life I I got to bury my father My father loved his son He loved all of his sons He kissed his sons And his daughters He hugged us We ate with my dad He disciplined us He provided He was a dad You know Mm Mm-hmm and you know um i don't know how to be any different to my children in fact the lessons the voice that i use Mm -hmm. this is the voice of dr rudolph wayne taylor that's the voice that my children hear so i believed these these myths these emasculating myths and one connection that I've been able to make, um, and this is a show I definitely want to do, so stay tuned for that. Um, which, by the way, if you're just tuning in to Civic Cipher, I'm your host, Ramses Ja. My name is Q Ward. And we're joined with uh, Jason Emmanuel, a.k.a. Freshmaker. What up, Fresh? Uh, is our turn, baby. Hey, what's up? Um, and uh, today's episode, we're talking about... Uh, Myths, we're being myth busters, and um, we're talking about at present the um, myth of the absent black father. Um, originally, I came across uh, a, a, a piece, and, and you know, some folks say it's a work of fiction, some folks still uh, believe it's a fact, uh, or a, a, a work of nonfiction, rather. Um, and, uh, either way, it's, it's very important to, uh, in terms of explaining the philosophy, um, of indoctrinating slaves new to this country. Um, it's called the Willie Lynch letter. And again, I do want to do a whole episode on that, so we're not going to talk too much about that. But remember I told you earlier, I, I'm, I connect patterns, I see things where maybe they don't exist. There's paranoia here. And 
this idea of emasculating people. I heard Dave Chappelle one time mention um, that he noticed that all of the the strong black men on TV at at one point or another they end up in a dress. Mm-hmm. And when he said it, I'm like, man, you're right. Willie Lynch letter. Um, there's a part of this letter, and if and please read it yourself. Um, I should put this up on our social media. Be sure to follow us too, by the way, at Civic Cipher or hit the website at civiccipher.com. Um, and if you want to go back and review this, of course, you can download the episode there as well. Um, but I'll paraphrase in the Willie Lynch letter. Um, basically, this man named Willie Lynch uh, teaches um, slave owners how to indoctrinate their slaves that are fresh from Africa so that they can be productive units of labor. Um, he mentions horrible things. Um, things that, you know, if they had happened to, like, dogs or animals or anything like that. Um, but they happen to human beings. And, uh, sorry, one part of this letter he mentions, um, how you're supposed to destroy the, uh, the idea of the man, the male in the family. And what you do is you tie his arms to two horses and you tie his legs to two other horses and you whip all four horses and then they rip him apart. And you, you're supposed to do this in front of the, the black woman, the slave woman from Africa. You're supposed to do it in front of her so she sees him ripped apart. And then you, you make sure that her child is there. To see that as well. So when she sees. The male image. Destroyed in front of her. She is going to raise. Her children. In reverse roles. She needs to see that cruelty. So she needs to raise her son. Now to be weak. To no longer pose a threat. To be an orderly. Unit of production. She needs to raise her daughter to be strong, to stand out front so that she can serve as a buffer between the master and the black man. And so that he is is one step further from that sort of brutality, supposed to rip this this man apart in front of his family. And then there's supposed to be a second man there, if I remember correctly, that you're supposed to tar and feather, um, which I think that means you just kind of cover him in hot tar and then throw chicken feathers on him. And he has to like, it melts his skin and he has to like peel it off or something. It's meant to like make a mockery of him. But the idea again is to destroy the image of a strong black man. And the idea is that this cycle perpetuates itself. These women continue to raise the men to be weaker and the women to be stronger. And there are arguments that um, this is how you get that black mama uh, sort of dynamic in the black family. How you get that matriarchy very often times, you know, a matriarchal, a matriarchal, I don't know if I'm saying that right, familial structure. Um, But. 
you take elements like this and you string them all together. Um, and again, admittedly, I may see patterns where maybe none exist, but to, to live in a world where they say black men are not there to raise their children. When in fact, you know, when, when I had my sons, I was so happy. I couldn't even leave my sons. You know how mad they would be? Hmm. They would come find me like, yo. <laughs> yo. Uh-uh, where you finna go? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we got a game. <laughs> and so, um, again, I think this is something that um, is long overdue in terms of discussion. Now, uh, you guys both have read that letter, that Willie Lynch letter, yes? Unfortunately, yes. Portions, yeah. Okay, so you do know what I'm saying is true. How did that hit you when you first saw that? It worked. Like there was a, he was trying to get them somewhere with that, with those instructions. And they were supposed to have a lasting effect on us as a community. You know, in the event that we ever did escape in the literal sense, mentally, mentally we would somehow still be oppressed, trapped, um, controlled. The effectiveness of his instructions is what stood out to me. Absolutely. Um, and I, I just feel like, you know, when you, when you take a step back and you look at it, and I, you know, far be it for me to be the sort of person that says that black people are not responsible for anything. You know, I'm not the sort of woe is me person. I don't think black people are a woe is me type of people, but. Again, when you're up against systemic uh, racism, when you're up against economic imbalance, when you're dealing with when, you know, the war on drugs is a war that, you know, it's taking soldiers, you know, um, you know, and you're you're going up against a government that's well funded and has police forces and legally has the right to execute you in the middle of the street, as we've seen over and over again. Um, on video um, and then you're working against stereotypes as well that pit you in a position where not only do you come from an environment where there's a great deal of hopelessness oftentimes if you come from impoverished black communities and brown communities as well um, but also that uphill battle that you're fighting it more than like you know it's going to take the rest of your life and then your children's life so there's that's not something that excites you it's not like you're born into like tremendous wealth and you know or even some degree of privilege you know you're it's it's all fighting from here on out we got to fight for everything all my life i had to <laughs> fight you know what i mean like <laughs> that's that's a genuine sentiment um i just think that having a very harmful myth like that perpetuated over and over again um, for years, decades, uh, has certainly not done black folks, black families any favors. You know, people are so quick to forget Black Wall Street. Not, not even Black Wall Street. I think that's con a convenient um, example because it's top of mind. But there are so many other mm -hmm. black communities that were um, 
destroyed. Had, had, yeah, yeah, and and these these were um, communities that engaged in politics, in finance, um, you know, self sustaining communities. Um, mm. That that from these communities, you have historically black colleges and and, and universities that were born out of these communities. Um, and there was at every single point, um, historically speaking, a concerted and deliberate attempt, either by militias, by the government, or just by, you know, Billy Bob and, and you know, the, the whatever his constituents are, just to run them out of town, you know, like that sort of a thing. Um, and... You know, a lot of folks fail to consider, because even if that were true, even if it was true that black men have children and then abandon them, the 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 fact that so people are so quick to, as you stated, um, say, okay, that's a black issue. Black people need to get it together. That don't have nothing to do with me. You know, um, this is your own fault. These are your problems. Deal with your community. Um, and not accounting for the fact that there's so many other things that can influence that sort of behavior, which, again, it's not true. It's a myth. Google it. Black men are doing best of all. You can read it from the Wall Street Journal. You can read it from the New York Times. You can read it from the CDC itself. They have the numbers. You can draw your own conclusions from there. Um, but even if it were true, it's. There's so many elements that go into where black people are, what station black people are at at this point in life. And if anything, I believe that's a testament to the resilience of black people, to the to the compassion, to the fact that, um, you know, we hear we've heard this a lot recently. Um, Black people are still even now not looking for revenge. The only thing on the table is equality. And after all of the things that have taken place to black people, you know, I was born into in Compton, California, as I mentioned, in a poor community ravaged by drugs. And that was my that's where I started in life. And I'm, I'm not angry about that. I wish it was better. I'm out here fighting the good fight, obviously. And I have a lot of allies, whichever station you're listening to right now they, they I count them an ally by giving a voice to this um type of uh show um but it remains the case that it's an uphill battle and you know no one is mad no one is wants revenge just equality fairness and equitable go and that's all that we're looking for despite all of these tremendous injustices against black people and brown people in this country and i feel like it's very important to make sure that we, again, get this out there so that people understand and can research on their own and begin to change the narrative. Take back the black family. Own the black family. Love the black family. Take back black leadership. Own black leadership. Follow, support black leadership. That's another one that's very important. And I think that those two go hand in hand because... The black man by by emasculating the black man by by spinning this narrative that black men are not home, I think that's a challenge to black leadership and and that's not something that 
is helpful because, you know, whenever, um, you know, we saw it during the protest, you know, I, I know that we were out there um, together um, when everyone was uh, doing all the marches um, earlier this year. And that's something that we heard a lot. A lot of folks were fired up. They wanted to get out there um, and do whatever they wanted to do, you know, hold up signs, march, you know, yell at the police, whatever that was. But there was black leadership out there and people had a tough time recognizing that. Mm. And I think that, again, that's sort of the concept, the idea of a strong black man, um, black leadership, et cetera, that starts with a strong black family and Unfortunately, that's been taken from us unfairly by this harmful myth. And so, again, the Mythbusters episode. So, yeah, I think that's uh, something that, again, needed to be um, discussed. Um, and I think that moving forward, we're going to have to carry that with us into all of our conversations we're going to have to make sure that when we overhear people <clears throat> excuse me make a joke um black people or otherwise um but especially black people because we need to know this about you know take care of your kids or you know that sort of thing that they need to at least understand the reality of the situation of course it's cool to joke around about stuff and you know we always you know, black people, CP time, like those sorts of jokes. And so, uh, in our own communities, if you're not black, please don't make any jokes about that. It's <laughs> it's not a good idea to do that. No. Um, Somebody did that one time, and I was like, it's like a politician, but his wife was black, and he thought he could. He thought he could, and it was like, <sighs> no, no. Yeah, that CP can't. time one is a, is a big one too. Um, I I just funny story real quick while we're there. I was uh, listening to. Uh, one of uh, President Obama's speeches. Um, I'm, I'm kind of a weird nerd when it comes to that stuff. I like to study speeches and uh, great orators. And uh, Obama, just he was just a, a tremendous speaker. Him and Dave Chappelle, they, they you know, can weave facts and, and humor together. Like, they're just masterful at it. But Obama was um, giving a speech, and... Uh, he says something he's like you know forgive me for being late um as as you know i, I we were operating on cp time and then everyone kind of had a chuckle in the audience and he says um and for those of you who don't know what cp cp time stands for cp time stands for jokes that white people can't make and i thought that was the funniest thing i just thought that that dude is just you know so anyway long and the short of it is um you know, even stuff like that can be, you know, harmful if we don't really um, understand what it is that we're saying and where it's going and who's hearing it. Because for us, we understand that we can say things like CP time. We can say things like, you know, go and take care of them kids or whatever, change them. Die. You know, we understand that or have the capacity to understand that it's harmless. And we understand that we're playing with a trauma. Right, a trauma or uh, a, a, a stereotype or something that's not true, you know, or you know, whatever. What you know? If you've been through that, people, you can talk about that. If you ain't been you through go. that, you can't talk about that. Perfect, perfect. And then other people who are on the outside looking in, that you know, exchange might become their reality. I think a, a great example is the N word. You know, um, black folks will use the N word with each other all the time. 
you know it's just a thing that happens it's cultural and that's the end of it um one day we'll have a show on that i'm sure and discuss how we feel about that but for now our purpose is just to explain that it exists and you understand that if a person in this example will say is a white person is a casual listener to that conversation this white person might think without knowing anything else oh well these are my friends this is how they talk and i can talk like this too because i'm friendly with these people and they'll get in there and do the same thing and so again you need to understand that those jokes those sorts of things you know the more educated you are the more you will be able to insulate people who don't know better from that or you'll be able to educate them and again today's um, message and the one that i wanted to get out above all others was that black men take care of their take great care of their kids better than everyone else more involved again um more involved with feeding more involved with babying or bathing um changing diapers getting kids ready for school dropping them off at school um spending quality time with them that's a thing that is um not widely known not as widely known as the very very harmful uh, stereotype that exists about black men but certainly again is a reflection of my reality and um q's reality as well and ultimately when you have children i do believe it'll be a reflection of your definitely reality too so, definitely so um so yeah i wanted to make sure that i uh uh left everyone with that um now before i get out of here uh last uh the last show that we did um i had a chance to run over some black owned businesses that i didn't get to really you know spend a lot of time like really letting folks know about um uh what the businesses did just because we ran out of time so i want to touch on some of those again one of them is called the change society um it's a non-profit uh black owned uh business that um creates opportunities to connect people with causes and one of the uh excuse me one of the uh most visible events that this company puts on is called hashtag lunchbag um and uh what they do is basically they get a bunch of people together create lunch bags and hygiene kits and take these hygiene kits and lunch bags and distributes them to um, homeless folks, uh, people who, you know, spend their life on the streets and have to do a lot of walking around. Um, and uh, if you want to um, get involved, you can visit thechangesociety.com, thechangesociety.com. You can certainly support them. Again, Black-owned business. Um, and Q, you were talking about a black owned business before as well. And I, I think that you didn't get a chance to go into detail about them, which, um, cause I brought up a couple. I, yeah, I don't remember which one, but I, I wanted to hit two. And I know that you had one that we didn't get to talk about. So I'll, I'll get my other one. The other one is, um, again, a clothing company, uh, black owned clothing company. It's called, um, major threads it's about uh sports like athletes so if you if you wear under armor if you wear nike you know those sorts of things like you're in a gym um it's a clothing company that uh provides um garments that are breathable and you know just gym clothes basically um and it's a black owned company and um 
certainly deserving of your support. Um, they employ black people, um, and uh, I'm, I'm proud to say that they are some folks that um, I've been able to support as well. Uh, the Million Dollar Teacher Project is another one, um, and uh, they're one of the sponsors of the show, so you can look them up as well. Uh, and um, for, oh, Monarch Theater and Bar Smith are also black owned as well. <laughs> if you're ever in Phoenix and you're uh, wanting to do something at night, um, there are some nightclubs that are available to you as well. So um, lots of black owned businesses um, for you to to engage with and circulate the bag, as Freshmaker puts it. And uh, if you want to know more information um, on any of those businesses, um, you can, of course, check our website, civiccipher.com. Um, and uh, download you can download this show or our last episode where we got a chance to go in a little bit more detail about some other uh, black owned businesses um, that I think are important for you to check out just so that we can work together to you know move uh, the uh, common agenda forward uh, with that said we're going to wrap things up around here uh, before we head uh, head out we're going to um, want you to check out the website once again civiccipher.com to submit any questions that you have for the show any show topics um all your donations are appreciated um this show is is funded entirely by you um and so again donations are appreciated you can do so again at civiccipher.com um and be sure to follow our social media at civiccipher q where can they find you on social media i'm on instagram i am q ward same for twitter which i'm not as active there but i'm there so come by say what's up where you at fresh you know i was thinking about making it shorter but i'll figure it out uh but for now uh on instagram and twitter at the dj fresh maker just like it sounds the dj fresh maker uh on instagram and twitter and listen um following fresh maker is enlightening yeah and empowering encouraging there's a lot of levity there too a lot of uh hilarity there as well he's a very entertaining person to follow on social media thanks um, fellas yeah yeah i uh i'm i'm working on getting there um i i just take pictures of my afro from different angles but i also have <laughs> some great <laughs> pictures too man thank you like thank you i'm working on it uh, but you can follow me at Ramses Ja um, and uh, keep up with me during the week. And of course, um, you know, tune in next week, same time, same channel uh, for more Civic Cipher. And until then, y'all take care of yourselves. Okay. Peace.